0: something on January 31st put it on your calendar right now that's Wednesday night a week from this Wednesday um, and we're going to be doing a night of vision and worship and so we want to invite you to come at seven o'clock for this time it'll be about an hour and a half or so um, just together in worship want to talk a little bit about what I'm meaning when I'm saying this is a year of going deeper and I'm a short sermon uh, believe it or not a short sermon it's possible I'm, ah, that was, I don't know who said that, but but um, there's a special place for you. so) No, but it's going to be a good time together and, um, and a night of prayer, and worship, and vision. And here's what's neat about that night is there is child care for the little ones, but what's neat is for our elementary age, it's not child care, for our elementary age that day, they're going to be doing a night of worship with the young children as well. And so be here, have your children here, allow them to under, man, I'm telling you right now, you give your kids a taste for the things of the spirit, all right, and man, it'll make it hard for them to want you to taste for the world. I'm being honest. I ran hard as a young person. I did. I tried to get away from the things of God. I did. But, man, I just can't tell you how many times when I tried to run, I could remember, what am I running to? I've seen the God that heals. I've seen the God that sets people free. I've seen the God that delivers. I've seen and been touched by Jesus as a young person. And when I tried to run, man, I couldn't run too far without turning, you know? Because he's just too good, he's just too real. And so get your children in here on the 31st at 7 p.m. That's going to be a rich, rich, rich night. As we get into this series, the, the last few weeks we've been looking at this idea of the greatest of all time. And I've been applying that to the idea of not just the greats, not the people that are in the video, but your life being the greatest of all time, what God wants to do in you. And we've taught you the last few weeks that it takes a rule of life to be able to walk in the best that God has for you. We, we can't just come to the best that God has for us just by happenstance, but we've got to kind of lean into it a little bit. And if you're a guest with us today on your way out, there's sheets of paper out here in the foyer that has, a, 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 it has this. It will say rule of life, and it has these four categories. Next week, we're going to look real practical at these four categories but on this idea is a bounced life. This actually came from the Benedictine monks, hundreds of years ago, began to practice this idea of a bounce life in these four areas. And this fall, I took our staff through this. And I don't know for all the staff, but I've seen shifts and changes in how we're viewing things, how we're going about work, how we're seeing ourselves, how we're seeing rest, and all those things. <clears throat> and it's affecting us on a staff level. And I just felt selfish not to be able to share with you as well. Amen? And so that's what we're doing. And next week, we'll get some real practical things. So if you have that little slip with you, please bring it back next week, all right? Um, today, we're just going to leave that up there for now. But, but, but basically, I, I want to get into this, I, this, this center portion, this, this love of God kind of portion. And man, I'm telling you, this manifested in my heart really, really big at the end of last year, in the beginning of this year. Every year, the last couple days of the year, I'll do a prayer and planning retreat. I just have done it for years. It's my practice, and I'll just get away for a couple days, and um, this year I decided just to go to the woods because I love the woods, and I just set my hammock up, and I just froze to death. If you remember right, that was like like 20-something to like 40-something all all day and all night, And, and it was a wonderful time. Kept a fire built most of the time, but still, in that time of prayer and fasting, it was one of those things where I just came away from it feeling ridiculously affirmed. I was so blessed this morning by the word that God gave um, through Heidi and just that affirmation that comes from the Lord. And I just came away from that planning time feeling ridiculously affirmed. And and if you know anything about my personality, I don't affirm easily, okay? I'm just being honest. I'm really hard on myself. I always have been. Never feel like I'm ever getting anything done, getting it done right. You know what I mean? Uh, Everybody go, wahh. Exactly. Exactly. And I tell myself that too. And that's what keeps me from getting in the Mully Grumps. And that's what keeps me moving forward. I, I, I've done the catharsis years ago. I know my demons, you know what I'm saying? And, but still, how many has demons that you understand and you know, and you fight, they still affect your heart. Amen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is one of those areas. And nine times out of 10, I come out of the prayer and planning retreat going, Oh Lord, there's so much to do. Right. I come out going, Oh Lord, I'm missing it. I have failed. I haven't got where I need to go. I haven't done what I need to accomplish in my home life or in my my, my church life or whatever I'm doing, my physical life. And I just come away from that prayer and planning time kind of excited about the year, but kind of down a little bit on myself. Does that make sense? Okay, am I alone? Maybe I'm alone in that kind of thought. but, But when it comes to this year, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's probably just I've been sewing in so much these things in the last about four or five months and just trying to get things square in my life that it just was one of those things to where when I was with the Lord, all I could feel from him was this ridiculous affirmation from him. And, and I usually will come away feeling challenged. I'll feel inspired. At times, I feel enlightened by my time with the Lord like that. But just to come away where the overarching theme for me was just affirmation, it blew my mind. It really did. Um, On the planning side of the retreat, it was incredible. You know, tons of planning, got tons of stuff done, got our teaching series laid out for the majority of the year, um, um, what books I want to read, you know, being purposeful. It was a good planning retreat. But that's not what I'm going to remember from that retreat. What I'm going to remember from those two and a half days with Jesus was just this ridiculous sense of affirmation. And here is the word I just kept sensing. None of this, all the planning and all the work that you're doing for me, Ross, none of this will bring my affirmation. You already have my affirmation. None of this is going to make me happier with you, Ross. You already have my affirmation. Now enjoy living out all of it while you accomplish what I'm giving you to accomplish. I don't do that. As soon as I'm done with one Sunday, I'm fretting next Sunday. And I'm not saying fretting, but, oh, Lord, i got to go stand before those people again next week. At times I make it look easy. It's never easy, you know. There's times where it's extremely difficult. And and my whole life, I can remember at 19 years old when I first started preaching, walking off the platform and just being so down. God, will I ever be able to communicate? Help me be a talker. (laughs) And the Lord gave me a miracle. No, I'm teasing. No, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No, but I mean, I remember walking going, I just, I get so much in my head, I can't. And, 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 and literally, I remember one day just going to the office when it was all said and done and just weeping before the Lord. And I wrote this letter to God. And at times, I'll share it with young preachers that are struggling. You know you got a call in your life, and you're just struggling to communicate. Hold fast. Don't give up, you know. But it was one of those things to where always that sense of just, oh, you know, and just to have the word of God say that, that just who you are, you're affirmed. Man, it felt good, you know? And so when it comes down to it, I don't know about you, when I start talking about life change and making my life great, and and I start looking at changing of habits like the last couple weeks, I don't know about you, but I start to get a sense of burden. Anybody? Just a sense of kind of like, huh, there's more for me to do, you know? When we begin to look at life change and creating good habits, I don't think I'm alone. It sounds like work, It sounds like one more thing to be burdened by. Lord, my schedule doesn't need one more thing to do. But if I want to be great, I got to do, I got to do, I got to do, I got to do, I got to do. Right? Got to do more, got to do more, accomplish more, do more, and then I can have the greatest life of all time. Then I can be, you know, the greatest of all time. Then I can have that affirmation and Man, that whole retreat, God was just saying, no, 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 you're affirmed already. Walk in that affirmation and then just enjoy the things that are at hand. Amen? And so the start of seeing your great life now, it isn't rooted in more doing. Don't miss this, okay? It's not rooted in more doing. It's rooted in more being, okay? Let me say it one more time. That, 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 that stemming, that flow, that, that root from having that great life that God wants you to walk in. His goodness, what he desires for you to walk in. It, it doesn't come from just more doing. It's rooted in being. It's rooted in more being. I want us to stand to our feet. And I want to go back to the scripture that we looked at last week. Romans chapter 12. And I want to go over to the, um, the message Bible. Over to the message. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, so here's what I want you to do. And I love this, because this first part just sounds kind of like, it's just, Lord, I'm just living. I'm just doing my life as unto you. Doesn't Watch this. Just, last week, I felt like I burdened you. And this week, Lord, lift the burden. Amen? God, we want good habits, but let it come from a different source. Let it come from a different place of motivation than just, oh, I'm going to try hard. You know what I mean? Watch what it says. So here's what I want you to do. <coughs> God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. God, is, it's yours, I'm yours. Everything I do, the goods and the bads. Everybody just say that God, it's yours. Oh, that feels good. Think about the kids that are driving you crazy at your house. God, they're yours. Amen. <laughs> the boss, he's yours, God. You know, that debt, guess what? Not yours. God brings the best out of you. Can I say that one more time? God brings the best out of you. Man, how simple and pure is that? He develops well-formed maturity in you. Father, I ask over the next few minutes that you would just um, set us free. We do want to walk in all that you have. But Lord God, lift the burden. Your word says your burden is easy. The word to come to you if we're heavy laden, you give us rest. And I ask that you would set us free, that in that freedom, in that affirmation, we can walk in the greatest life now. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have your seat. I got to thinking about those that we call great. You know, the, the Einsteins, you know, the Muhammad Ali's. The, as last week we talked about Martin Luther King Jr. Just the different ones that we call great. And I got to thinking about those that we call great. And it seems to me like there's a confidence in what they've been called or inspired or desire to do. There's there's just like this abiding confidence in what they're doing. You just kind of pick that up from from those who walk in greatness, you know, just an air about that, you know. But I think, as I think about it, it it may not be so much about what they've been called to do, or that confidence is is bred, but more about who they've been called to be that breeds that kind of confidence. What I mean by that is, a a, a resource within them, who they are as a person, and it just so happens that this is where the passion lies, and so they pursue it with excellence. Who they are as a person, it just so happens that this is the athletics that they desire, and they pursue it with excellence. But there's just this quality, this being about them that, that when something is set before them, they can't back down. I'm not sure, though, if it's tied in the doing as much as just in the being who you are, deep on the, that, 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 that deep level, you know? Not so much about doing that led them to greatness, but something more rooted in being that makes one great. And, and I heard a saying recently, I like it. It says this, that we are called and born to be human beings, not human doings. I like that. We're human beings, not human doings. And I'll tell you who's the worst of this, men. We're awful at this. We just are, you know? So, hey, Danny, what do you do? I work on cars, you know. Or if you ask somebody, hey, hey, you know, tell me about yourself. That's probably a better question. If somebody asks me, tell me about yourself, guess what I'm going to tell them? You know, probably that I'm a pastor. Well, I'm a pastor, you know. Married to a smoking hot wife or something like that. No. No, mostly just I'm a pastor. You know, that I do this, that I do that. And we, we jump into what we do. Men, we just are very, very, and that's how we fellowship too, though, as men. We, we, we don't fellowship. We've talked about this years ago as relationships. We don't fellowship face-to-face. It's weird. I never look at a guy and like, let's sit and have coffee and look into each other's eyes, you know. My most rewarding times with guys is hiking on a trail or fishing at a lake or working on a car together or building something. It's it's just one of those things. So, so men, we're just very much tied into our, our doing. We very much are, you know. But we're human beings, not just human doings. And the attack, I think, from the enemy comes in our doing so often, you know. And this this thought of just do more, just do more. And I got to thinking about Jesus, who is literally, obviously, the greatest of all time. And I want to go back to Matthew 3.17. And I love the first thing that was spoken over his life before any of these things, when it comes to Jesus' ministry, before one miracle was ever done, anything like that. This love of God is over him. Look at the verse in Matthew chapter 3. Verse 17, suddenly from heaven a voice came saying, this is from God the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. At this point, Jesus had done nothing. You don't see signs, you don't see miracles, you don't see wonders, you don't see anything that has happened yet of spiritual value Other than him saying at 12 that he's about his father's business. And I'm sure, I mean, Scripture teaches us that he he grew in favor with God and with man. So there was something definitely favorable about him. But miraculous, we hadn't seen that yet. The doing side, we hadn't quite seen just yet. And this affirmation from the father comes over his life and speaks, you are my beloved son. Right now, if you're in this room, I don't care who you are. I want you to know you are his beloved son. You are his beloved daughter. God created you for a relationship, and that alone brings that affirmation, you know? And we can chase that in so many doings. We can chase that in so many substances. We can chase that with so much uh, trying to accumulate. We can chase it in so many ways, in doing and doing and doing. But no, no, in being. You are God's. You are his And here he looks at Jesus and says, you're my beloved son. And here's what's amazing. In Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 4, it says, then Jesus, this is right after the baptism takes place, right after this word of affirmation from the Father takes place, it says Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I bet so. We're at a week of this, you know? And, um, and I'll be honest, some people are doing liquid diets. I made the joke this morning, you know, not diets, liquid fast. I just made the joke this morning. I said, my liquid fast is going pretty good, although trying to drink down this steak omelet's a little difficult. No, I'm not doing a liquid one, but, but still, <laughs> Pastor Blair, Pastor Corey's dad, I worked for for like 11 years, and he was kind of a, a slight framed man, and so he would struggle with fast always, and he would get the church to go into a fast, but he always struggled because um, he was just such a little guy, and um, I walk into his office one day and um, without knocking, which you shouldn't do, and I just open the door, and there he is with a milkshake from McDonald's. It's liquid, he said. <laughs> but he needed the extra. I get it. So <laughs> I'm not sure why I shared that. <laughs> so when it comes down to it, though, watch this. He's hungry. He's at a place of physical weakness. And the tempter comes, and the same thing, this tempter, the devil, same thing he does in us. He says to him, if you are the Son of God. Do you see that? If you are the Son of God. Did not the Heavenly Father just affirm him? This is my beloved Son, in whom i well pleased. This affirmation comes, and literally on the backside of the spiritual revival, 40 days of fasting, 40 days of in the presence of the Lord, 40 days of fasting, and on the backside of the spiritual renewal, the spiritual revival, the enemy comes to his heart in that place of weakness and begins to say, if you are the Son of God. And then what he says is, he says, do this. If you're the Son of God, do do you catch that? If you're the Son of God, if you are, He challenges His being and then He says, Do. Doing's always more easy than being. I'll just do something else. I'll just do more. I'll just do, do, do. We'll get to that. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Do something, Jesus. If you are the Son of God, do something. But he answered, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What was the word that was over Jesus in this moment? This is my beloved. That's the last word that we see that was spoken over him. I'm sure him and God spoke about a lot of things during the 40 days, but I don't think it's an accident. For us in recorded history, I think it's for us to see that the word that was spoken over him last was, You are my beloved. And I am pleased in you. And now a question comes to question his identity, who he is, his being. And if you're the son of God, just do. Go make some bread. Wouldn't that be awesome, you know? And Jesus, man, he he rebukes him. No, no, no. My affirmation is in the Lord alone, not in what I do, but in who I I am. You have this amazing affirmation from the Father. In 40 days of fasting, this attack from the enemy comes at Christ's identity that temptation of Christ if you're a son of God do this and here's the thing there's a difference between doing and being there is I can do a lot of things but it doesn't mean I am I can play basketball but I'm not a basketball player I know that's hard for you to believe you know I can do a lot of stuff that's not who I am who I am is something different than just what I do but isn't it in our lives all about what we do, what we do, what we do, what we do, what we do? And I think when we flip that, it robs us. It causes us to walk in life wanting the greatness, but feeling the burden like it's our job to make that greatness happen. Wanting that life that God has for us, but, but feeling like, if I can just do more, I'll get it. When God's saying, you already have it. Joy. Enjoy it. I've given it to you. Walk in it. Live it out. And here's what it is. That's the rule of flesh. The enemy's trying to appeal to his flesh. Yeah, you're hungry? Go ahead and just do more. Yeah, I want to feel satisfied. Just do more. Just do, 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 do. And Jesus, he didn't let that flesh rule him. He lived life out of the order or the rule of God, this rule of life. He lived a life in such a way where he put the enemy under his feet and he allowed principle to rule him, not flesh or emotion to rule him. Man, he said, shouldn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He allowed the word proceeding from the mouth of God to take leadership in his life and to rule over his life. Now, where we see Jesus victorious in this, guess who we saw fail in this? the exact same temptation we saw Adam and Eve fail in it the exact same struggle we saw Adam and Eve God gave Adam and Eve everything they needed to experience the greatest lives of all time he really did he gave them everything they needed but in Genesis 3 verse 4 and 5 watch this the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die you know he was trying to get her to eat this fruit He says, you're not going to die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Well, listen, Satan, I'm going to be like God. When God created me, Adam could have said, he said that I was made in his image. I'm already like God, so there. But he didn't. He heard that lie and thought my being needs to be something more, and he chased that, and he ate the fruit. But when it comes down to it, if you will be like God. No, no, no. They were already made in the image of God. They were already, because they were made in the image of God, they were given the authority of God in the earth. I mean, the Bible said that their doing, see their doing will follow their being. Doing, I'm not saying that we're not going to do for the Lord, but it follows our being. If you're the son of God. If you'll be like God if you eat that. No, no, no. They already were. Made in the image of God, they already were given authority, given authority by God to have dominion and to subdue the earth and to multiply the earth. That's a lot of doing, but the doing follows and flows out of their being. Satan got them to doubt their being, and in doubting their being, they ceased to do what God wanted them to do. It's the same way with us. We we just get it backwards. We we try to do, try to do, try to do, and we don't worry so much about the being. Our doing will follow our being. Does that make sense? But we got to embrace that being. I'm going to get more into that as we go. The reason why this is important is because what we do matters. It really does, but who we are matters more. All this stuff is awesome, and all this stuff, it affects us, but the love of God is at the center of it all. That's who. That's where we be. That's where we are. That's where, that's where we live and have our, the Bible says, in him we move and live and have our, everybody say it, being. In him we live and move and have our being. All these things serve this, not the other way around. You know? And So yes, I want us to be working on our habits. Yes, I want us to be mindful of our rule of life. But we've got to realize that it's in Him that we have that being first, and it flows. It flows out of there, you know. As I said, we, what we do matters, but who we are matters more. And Adam and Eve, they were given to do, to do a lot of stuff, but but they they doubted who they were in God, and that robbed them from experiencing all that God desired for them. And so we have kind of a kind of a choice in our life. We can do a lot in life, or we can be a lot in life. You know, doing so much in life or being so much in life and here's the thing often there are gaps between who we are and what we do okay don't miss this i don't want i don't want this to get hodgepodge a little bit i want you to kind of focus in there are gaps between who we are and what we do those gaps are overlooked though because there should be a a a balance between who we are and what we do If, if 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 we do this and we say we're this then that's what hypocritical right There should be a a, a balance between those two. And sometimes there's a gap between our doing and our being. And we feel weakness in our being. We feel undone in our being. We don't feel as if we're walking in that maturity that is being fulfilled in us in our being. And so you know what we do? We fix it by just doing more. If I can just keep doing, I don't have to worry about my being. Does that make sense? It's a little different take on how the enemy attacked Adam and Eve, but it's the same thing. Just focus on doing, not not being. Focus on what you can do, not who you already are. And those gaps, we can overlook those gaps in who we are and what we do by just doing more. But as we see this scripture, it tells us, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. That personal culture that's not lining up to the best that God has, that doesn't get fixed by just doing, doing, doing. It gets fixed by pressing in to the affirmation of the Lord, to the love of God, to the relationship we have with Jesus. It gets fixed by the being side. And then the doing follows after that, now when it comes to this idea of well for maturity, there are two extremes of immaturity that keep us from God's best in our life. As I said here, culture, our own personal culture, even it drags us down. It tries to pull us down to a level of immaturity. And as I was thinking about this, there are two extremes of immaturity that keep us from God's best in our life. On one extreme st- of that immaturity is legalism. Okay, legalism. If I can just do more, do, 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 then I'll have the approval of God. Then I'll be pleasing to God. On the other side, clear over here, is licentiousness. Everybody say licentiousness. How many knows what that means? Yeah, um, that's a great word. It's in the King James, <laughs> and, um, and so um, I will tell thou what it doth meaneth, Okay. So, when it comes to legalism, what that is, that's relying on our own activity to gain approval from God. If I can just do more, do more, do more, then God will approve of me, okay? That doesn't necessarily mean my being has changed, you know? My doing's changed. I'm just adding a lot because I want the approval of God, and so it can become something very legalistic. That's why I was telling you a couple, last week or two weeks ago, I said, man, I want you to be in the Word every week. I do, every day. I want you to be in the Word, every day. But listen... If it's one of those things to where in the word for you is, 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 is you're a little bit New Testament, a little bit Old Testament, a little bit Proverbs, a little bit Psalms, well, praise your name. But there may be somebody that's like, dude, there's no way, you know. I, I read three scriptures, and that's as far as I got. Well, praise the Lord. That's three more than you did yesterday and three more than the day before. And now you've had three days, and that's nine, and that's awesome, you know. So when it comes down to it, don't get legalistic with it to try to gain up. No, we're not dealing with legalism. We're dealing with relationship and moving toward that center, toward God, that love of God that changes our being, that changes our doing accordingly. Okay, So that's legalism on that side. On the other side, you have licentiousness. That's over here, licentiousness. And that is an abuse of God's grace by disregarding the commands of the Lord licentiousness. That's where the idea is, it doesn't matter what I do, God doesn't care. Well, that's not true. God loves you, and it does matter what you do. Well, Ross, it seems like you're contradicting your sermon. No, no, I'm preaching balance, because you can do, 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 and have licentiousness, licentious living, and you will rob yourself of your being. It will change you at the core of who you are if you just say, you know what, anything goes, it doesn't matter, God just loves me as I am, and I could care less about changing. No, that will change you. That changes your being. Does that make sense? doesn't change the affirmation of the Lord. You are loved by God, but it changes who you are at the core. And so that's licentiousness. Guess what? Either of those are signs of immaturity. They really are. Legalism is an immature approach to trying to live out faith. It's an immature approach. It doesn't shape you. It doesn't change you. It usually will make you bitter and you'll start to look down at everybody else that isn't as miserable as you and point the finger at how unholy they are. No, no. Just because they're happy does not mean they're unholy. You're just miserable, right? It's immaturity, it's legalism. But on the other side, and we've been there ourselves personally and we've seen other people, anything goes. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just whatever. I shouldn't say it. Literally, I'm not going to say it. See how mature I'm getting in Jesus? You're so, you're so proud of your pastor for having thoughts, but they didn't come out of his mouth. But we've all seen even whole ministries that have marks of licentiousness, where it's just this reveling in the grace of God, but really it's not. It's licentiousness. It's a disregard of the commands of the Lord. Those commands are beautiful. The Bible tells us in the Psalms that those commands, you know what they are? They're like honey from the, <laughs> from the honeycomb. That doesn't sound like a bad thing, that sounds like a good thing. Amen? And so I'm not, I'm not saying just throw everything away when it comes to doing, no, I'm saying let wealth. Formed maturity develop in you as you lay everything before the Lord in relationship. It's not about legalism to deal with this issue of doing. I'll just do more, but that may never change your being. Well, then I'll just do less, you know. Well, no, that's not the answer either. The answer comes there in the middle. What we do does matter, but who we matters more. The answer comes through a couple things: rest and respect. Okay, rest. And respect. Number one, rest in the approval of God. Man, I can rest. I don't have to just do, 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 do to have his affirmation. Ross, this year is going to be a year where you're affirmed. You just, out of that affirmation, go enjoy what you do for the Lord. Okay, God, that feels, that feels better than the last 25 years of ministry. I like that. That means I don't care. No, I do care. But that it's, it's, it's carefree. It's, it's, it's a releasing as I press into the love of God. Amen? So that's rest, and that's wonderful. The other side, so that we can walk in well-formed maturity, so we just don't throw everything aside, because the doing matters, it just doesn't matter most. Who we are matters most is the idea of respect, rest and respect. I respect and honor your commands and your word over my life like honey in the honeycomb. I respect it. I hunger for it. I want that in my life. And with that respect, we believe God's a speaking God, so there's things in Scripture we know, but there's things He speaks. And if He speaks to you, this is what I want from your life this year, then that's a habit you should embrace, amen? And it's a habit you should do. But just know you're doing it out of the approval of God already, not doing it to be approved. Does that make sense? Not burdened by that sense, because grace isn't a burden, grace is a release. And so there's rest and there's respect. And when that happens, Romans 12, 2, it tells us when that happens that, 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 that you'll be changed from the inside out. You'll be changed. You'll be changed from the inside out. The the, the inside, the love of God, that relationship with him will affect how you work. And that relationship with him will affect how you rest. And it will affect your time in the presence of the Lord. It will affect those relationships that you have. But it starts with him. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It starts right there in that relationship. It's, it's, It's more about not activity for God, but it's more about activity with God. Not just doing, but, but being with, with God. As Romans 12:1 said, just take your everyday life. God, I want my life to be great. But you know, greatness doesn't come by me just doing the huge things. It just comes from living every day as an offering to you. I'm just going to take my everyday life, my ordinary life. I'm going to take my sleeping, my eating, my going to work, my walking around life, and I'm going to place it before you, God. And in doing that, It affects my being. And if I am different in my being, I'll be different in my doing. It just flows. It just stems from that. Because true greatness doesn't come from doing. True greatness comes when people are transformed deep beneath the surface of their lives. Not not out here. Because all the doing is kind of up here where everybody sees everything. It's deeper than that. It's deep. It's in the surface of your lives. That's where the being lies. That's where that relationship with the Lord lies. And so I want to tell you this morning: the start of seeing your great life now. It isn't rooted in more doing, it's rooted in more being. We are spiritual people, we are supernatural beings. And with that in mind, being present in the presence of God, man, it's rooted in that. It's not rooted in our doing, it's rooted in our being. Being connected with what He says over us in that moment. The enemy was trying to say something different to Jesus, but he kept relying back on what the word of the Lord said because he knew that that word would prosper. The word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that you are my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. If you would close your eyes this morning. Again, not so much in doing, but in being. Being mindful of your connection with God. With every eye closed, if that's somebody here, if, 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 if when I say this, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. When I say that, if that's something that just, I needed to hear that this morning. If you're a man, would you raise your hand? Ah, thank you. I, needed, I need to be affirmed in that. Not find my affirmation in works. Not find my affirmation in doing, but in being. Listen, listen, let me say this, this point: you are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Ladies, doing so much, but to find that affirmation of God. That's something you needed to, to hear today. Just as you receive that word, would you raise your hand? Yeah, 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 I receive that word. Amen. Amen. Now listen, I'm going to give one more opportunity before we go this morning, close in prayer. If you're here this morning, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, man, you, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, it caused all mankind to stand outside of the best that God has. It caused all mankind for all time to stand apart from real relationship with God. And you can say a lot about God, but the idea of having your being within God, it is non-existent. That doesn't make you a bad person, that makes you a person. And every person is bad, period, just being honest. Apart from God. Our nature is a nature of sin. Adam and Eve fixed that for us, but Jesus came that we might have life, and Jesus changed that for us. When he died on the cross, he shed his blood. It covered those sins. It brought us into an ability to have a relationship with God, and so today, if you're here this morning want to begin a relationship with Jesus, man, you can walk away from here saying, I am his beloved son. I am his beloved daughter. And not anything I've ever done or could do brings his pleasure. I am pleasing to him because I've accepted the work of Jesus. And if you need a relationship with Jesus this morning, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Just, you need to know that. I see that hand. Is there anybody else today? You just need to know, I, I see that hand. Anybody else today? Anybody else? Anybody else? I just, I need, I need to know without a doubt. Let's all as a family of God pray with these two today. Just say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I recognize that what you did on the cross was for me. I put you on the cross, and you love me enough to go there, and your blood covers my sins. And you rose again to let me know that I can walk in you with victory. I come to you and look forward to a lifetime relationship with you in Jesus' name. Can you, God, praise for the two that have come to Jesus today? Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you profess faith in Christ today, when the service is over, at the end of the hall on the left, there's a next steps room, and I'm Pastor Brantley will be there with discipleship, some information that will help you on your next steps with Jesus. So if you would, just go down there, and and he's going to give you a a book and a whole bunch of stuff that's going to help you take those, those next steps. Amen? Let me just close in prayer over you today. Father God, we want to be who you desire us to be. We want to be doers of the word. But God, let us do it out of a heart that is affirmed by you, knowing that we are your beloved in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.